how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome back to the show. In this episode, I sat down with the filmmaker Diego Vincentini. He's a Venezuelan writer and film director who's made several award-winning short films, including Simone, the predecessor to the feature, which had an independent world tour, selling out screenings in eight countries in 11 different cities. In this interview, we talk about how studying philosophy led him into filmmaking, balancing long dialogues with action, movement, and reactions, editing versus starting from zero, balancing the expectations from different audiences, and writing from a place of authenticity and much more. This was actually a recommendation from my podcast producer, Mary Own. She helped us kind of set this up. And this this film means a lot to people in Venezuela. Can you kind of talk about like your views of the film or what's to that about this interview for you? Honestly, I wanted you to interview Diego because I saw this clip on TikTok that I could not stop thinking about. And it was basically this guy talking about Diego's pre-production process and how he had contacted and interviewed several Venezuelans and asking about their life, their story, everything they've gone through, including the tortures and how he had, you know, listened to these people. And then he went and wrote the script and directed and edited the film. And I just kept thinking, you know, the emotional toll that that must have taken. And we've had several people come into the show and, you know, said it is really difficult to write a script or a story that touches you in such a personal level. But on Diego's case, I just kept thinking he's not only telling, you know, the story of the people he interviewed, he is telling the story of a country a story that touches him personally because he's also Venezuelan. And I just kept thinking the entire thing must have been so incredibly difficult to do. And I just have so much admiration for him as a creative because personally, I, I, I wouldn't have been able. And, and yeah, I think regardless of whether you like the film or not, you know, he did something great and something remarkable. It's definitely such a powerful story. And I, I can't imagine kind of just what he went through the writing, the directing, the interviewing, the making the film, and now he's still out there marketing it and kind of living in this world. Um, here's my conversation with Diego. It was through studying philosophy, actually. That's what I did as a like career in, in, in college. I went to Boston College. I studied philosophy and, and finance, but it was really through philosophy, it's kind of like what my passion still is. And one of my favorite authors is Dostoevsky and so like Crime and Punishment. And then one day I randomly watched Woody Allen's Match Point, um, which is like a rewriting of Crime and Punishment. But then when when the ending came, it was like more nihilistic and more existentialist than the novel. And I agreed more philosophically with the movie. So I'm like, even though I love Dostoevsky, I was like, wait, who wrote this? That is like making arguments um, kind of uh, in opposition to what Dostoevsky said in the novel. So then that's how I 
got to know Woody Allen and I started watching all his like early films, especially those are all very like referency towards like Russian literature, like love and death. It's like all like Tolstoy and Chekhov and Dostoevsky. So that was like opening movies to being an expression of philosophy. Like, oh, they can be. So I remember like Googling like philosophy movies or movies that are philosophical and you start to watch all these mind bending movies or stuff that are like uh, intellectual in nature. And yeah, that was like the opening to me like, oh, philosophy is kind of what I love, but movies can be that, but not just that. They've got psychology and aesthetics and composition and music and psychology. And that's how I just kind of fell in love with the art form. And it was, yeah, and it was like, I, in studying philosophy, I never thought I would want to be like, just like a strict textbook philosopher where you're, you're going to write a dissertation and just like, I always gravitated more towards the arts too, especially like Dostoevsky is not a philosopher. He's a novelist. Same with like Herman Hesse or Camus. So movies seem to be like the kind of parallel to that visually where like you can have philosophy, you're saying something about the world, you're writing about something, but within art, it's got music and composition, all these things. So that's how I kind of like fell in love with the, with the art form. In some of your early drafts, like leaning into that, did you ever write things that were too much dialogue? Did you like kind of fall back to like making sure your character focus seems like it could be dangerous to go too far in the psychological realm to some degree? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And coming from philosophy where it's like all about I being heady and all these ideas and you watch these movies, it's like you just want to like have characters talk and go on these philosophical rants about like the world and stuff. So it was always trying to be so careful of like, and and then watching other movies where I did that and you really feel like, oh, this is, and then like, right, I can't do that. Even though there's like <laughs> such an instinct and drive to be like philosophical or over intellectual or whatever. And being, it's like, what are the movies that really get at it? And you see how, oh, it's gotta be like subtle and underneath and with room for finding it, but not just being shoved in your, in your, in your face. Um, so I've definitely always more and more been careful and, and finding ways to like, make sure that's underneath the surface, but it's not just, you know, characters shouting out their philosophical stance. It's like, you want to show it through their actions, through the situations that happen, through the way things happen in the script and in the plot that can lead to the interpretation of the things that you want, but are there to like, that it takes the audience to have to pluck them out from the movie rather than, than just being told whatever it is. Although a, a lesson that I've now kind of taken from my first movie from S Simon, um, there are like two big scenes that are just like basically a monologue that I'm, you know, you're always scared with monologues and don't want to be overly the characters like to say too much. And yet those, especially one of them is like the scene that probably has the most impact, especially with Venezuelans. They always reference the scene that the dialogue really impacted them. So it's actually been an inversion a bit of a lesson with this movie of like, if you feel strongly about it and you feel like it's right and like, like kind of go for it. Like it's re it's literally like the guy just talking for like four minutes to a character, mm -hmm. but then it's been one of the most impactful scenes and the ones that keeps being brought up in conversation. So I'm like, okay, you know, there are the moments where you get to like maybe lean into these things that typically in screenwriting classes are like don't have the care, you know, don't do a monologue. So it's like really picking and choosing. And I think I was lucky that, okay, it, it worked. Cause I, when I was writing, I was super scared. Like, this is just him talking. Like, am I really messing this up? But but thankfully, I think it, it worked this time. What does it look like on the page for those who haven't or who have avoided that? Is that two or three pages? What does a monologue look like? Because we know it's a minute per page, but what does yours look like on that? Yeah, well, definitely breaking it down in the beats. Like, you know, it's not a, 
pure yeah. paragraph of two and a half pages so you like break it down where the pauses are and all these things but also the reaction that you sort of want the other character to be having or movements that are going on so that it feels like even visually you see it it's like broken down and you see like scene direction or whatever is going on but then if you look it's like oh it, this is actually just a monologue but you want to have like yeah things that break it apart that give it that that give it sections to it and uh, and again the the reactions of the other character what you want the camera to be focusing on even if the other guy's talking but you're oh you're on a detail you're watching him react to, to a certain moment a big psychological thing for me was like i love the first season of true detective it's packed with like a lot of a lot of theories and everything else it seems like a lot of those it, the way to approach some of that might be to overwrite and then viciously edit and cut back is that something you also kind of do as well Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that monologue was so much longer and, and had more stuff. And then both editing the script onto that and then editing, I edited the movie. So that was, you know, I got to like also edit dialogue while you're actually editing the movie and you always end up trimming down, trimming down. And I think that's a great like advice. Like it's so much easier too to edit than to start writing from zero. So it's like, even on a first draft, like now that I'm thinking of the next movie and I, I can't wait to get to it. It's like, it's going to suck, but write everything. And then it's so much easier to be like, what doesn't work? And then start taking this away or readapting. Then the scariest thing and the hardest thing is just having a blank page and just like, because the it's unlimited options, but it's easier to edit. So write out the first, the way it, it's coming into your head. And then it's much easier than like, wait, this sucks. Why does it suck? And start editing there. You already mentioned you're kind of the writer, the director, the editor, how do you see yourself kind of separating the the many hats you're wearing, the parts of the mind? One thing I've, I, I kind of teach people how to write and they have trouble just like not literally editing on the page. I'm like, just write it out. Like you said, make it a vomit draft, get it done. How do you personally kind of shift between those different phases? Well, well, it's kind of like every phase I'm in service of the next me. That'll be so like when I'm writing, I'm writing for the director, but when I'm directing, I'm doing it for the editor and kind of always for the editor. Like, because that's what the movie is actually going to end up like. And it's, I've had to exercise or be very conscious, even though I know I'm going to edit the movie, like not to like be too much technical in the script of like writing edits in or like writing directorial, but like I try to picture like, imagine I'm not directing this. What do I want the script to sound like and be like so that it's, it's all kind of there. You can kind of afford to take some shortcuts if you're like certain you're going to direct and like, I know like, but, but I try to do that of of like picture i'm not going to direct it so i need to make sure it's in the the mood the atmosphere the the feeling that the script and the movie i ultimately wanted to have it needs to sort of be on the page so that's not being overly specific like i'm not going to put it it's a it's on it's on a 18 mil <laughs> lens this scene like no but maybe if i know that's my end goal that i do want it to be on a wide maybe a little bit of how do i describe that well in the script obviously you could just put like we see the whole the whole city or something but that translates to maybe i know how it's going to be done in execution wise or how i'm going to do it but how do i transmit that assuming or trying to picture that it's another director so that the, the script can contain the its essence or the essence i want the movie to have within the script so my assistant who lives in venezuela kind of brought me to your work she had a couple questions and i thought hers might be more specific so i'm gonna ask some of those so considering the theme of the movie was there any point Someone told you or advised you not to put something in the film. Likewise, were there certain points that you felt you were adamant needed to be in the movie? Anything around theme or anything that is maybe against the culture or anything like that that stands out? 
Yeah. Okay. So it's just for the briefest of context in the movies about a Venezuelan freedom fighter seeking asylum in the U.S. And it shows a lot of the crimes against humanity perpetrated by the Venezuelan government, which is still in power in Venezuela. So it's a movie that even from day one, me and then the producers that joined had to assume that we wouldn't be able to go back to Venezuela because it speaks out against the dictatorship and uh, there's dangers involved in, in, in doing that. So there was always a very attention to detail of like what we're showing, how we're showing it, even though I was already like, this is going to be censored and we're not going to be able to go back. So that gave me actually freedom to like, I don't live in Venezuela. So I wouldn't, I just wouldn't have been able to make this movie if I lived in Venezuela, because you'd be too fearful of going to jail or getting killed or being tortured. So you just wouldn't be able to. So that gave me a lot of freedom. Like, what do I want to say? What do I want to denounce? So one, it was choosing the most universal. Well, that was the, actually, that's always what I say is the most difficult thing was writing this because it's 20 years of history. I'm 29. It's all I've ever known, like living on, it's been 24 years under this government. So 24 years of things that you want to say, that you want to denounce, that you want to explain an entire country's history to just contextualize. But it's a movie and it's 90 pages and you have to entertain and it's a drama and it's a story. So how to balance like you're not a documentary and not going, you do want to offer context, especially for somebody, especially for somebody who's not been as well and like offer points of reference, like this is going on, this is happening, but you don't want to feel that exposition thrown at you. So yeah, always wrestling with that exposition. And just how much it is we want to say as Venezuelans, it's like, this is happening, this and this. But then it was really boiling that down to the most essential, the most simple things, because it's the history of a country. It's very complex and very nuanced, but like tortures, um, a lack of medicine, a lack of access to water and electricity. Like those were the most basic things that are the most universal. Like it doesn't matter if you're left-leaning, right-leaning, believe in whatever like ideology I don't think you can agree, or if you do, then it's, I don't know what we could talk about, but if you agree with people being tortured for their beliefs, then damn, like that's another conversation. But I went with the most boiled down essence of the things that I think are wrong and that are the most universal to generate understanding um, rather than going like, this is a leftist government that then you just eliminated half of the population that is more less. So it's not about that at all. Um, so yeah, it was boiling it down of like the most essential pieces that I wanted to transmit. And the duality of having two audiences in mind was also tricky of like, Venezuelans know everything. I don't want to bore them with like, why are you telling me all the stuff I know? So I need to tell them something new and interesting and, and insightful to them. But also keeping, let's say the American in mind of like, if they don't know Venezuela as a country or like anything, they need to have an entrance into this movie and be able to like, grasp the scale of the problem and everything so it was balancing two audiences at the same time that was always that was the trickiest of like keeping both satisfied and entertained and contextualized at, at all times was the hardest thing of this movie in addition to you know growing up there were there other like personal things you wanted to put into the story that was maybe different than like you as an individual of a country anything that was more personal than that well, I mean, they're tied. So this all began just out of a sense of guilt. I, I felt guilty of I left Venezuela when I was 15 and I was here and we've had waves of generations of protest. And in 2017, it was a particularly tough year. It was my generation out on the streets, all the 20 year olds and getting shot and killed on the streets. So I just felt guilty for I or for the privilege I had. I'm like, I'm here. I'm in L.A. studying film. I'm like, it was waking up in the mornings and seeing, oh, they killed this 17-year-old and then going to a classroom to talk about Hitchcock. It was like, 
I felt really guilty for not for not being there and not being part of the fight physically. So this movie became that. Like, how do I join that fight? How do I do something about it? So it was that sense of guilt that is like really ingrained in the movie. I mean, and almost like I would have been able to tell you while I was writing it, it's like, this is what it's about. And it's this guilt. But even now more like looking back, now that I see the movie done, like I see more of me in it, like than I even thought, like, yeah, to really see that how much that sense of guilt has like chased me and that sense of like needing to heal and resolution. So that is like the more personal thing. I mean, and even this is something again, like discoveries post watching the film of like, I don't know if I would have made a point of this before, but now like seeing myself as like as this very, which can be called a masculine trait, but you know, it's anybody that maybe struggles to express emotions, but I've seen it in talking to guys and men and, and doing like inner work now and all this stuff of like, uh, of seeing like, oh, the difficulty, maybe I can generalize, but let's say individually, but also as a man to like express emotions and talk about things. And then now looking back at the movie, it's like the movie's about this guy who struggles to talk about trauma and talk about his emotions or what he's going through, through the asylum process. And then finally being able to like vomit it out in a way and deal with the emotional turmoil and, and trauma that he has. So it's like, you get to like now see the, the movie in, di in different ways and discover personal things that are, that are in there. But also in the writing process, I interviewed several guys who had been tortured, who had been seeking, who are, who were seeking asylum at the time, who were out in the protests, who were leaders in their group, who were, were like my main character. So it was incredible as a writer to like literally have my, protagonist in real time because they were seeking asylum and felt guilty for leaving and i got to ask them like how do you feel right now like and one of them was like i want to buy a ticket tomorrow and like go back even though i might get killed if i do it like it was like and me having to like balance like what i was writing in the script were like what i want the hero to sort of do but having him in real person and having to maybe almost give him opposite advice of like dude don't go back they're gonna kill you but maybe you want the movie version to like he's a hero and he goes back like it was really surreal to like damn i'm like he's right here like well what am i saying in the movie what am i saying in real life uh yeah it was it's very surreal to tell a story that's like ongoing it's like it's, it's happening in real time you know there are some stories that are so personal we have to tell them they're like obsessions like one director told me it's like a splinter in his eye he's got to it's all i can think about did you feel that and was there also a balance of the responsibility of the story is so heavy. Did you ever think about, I need to wait a few years till I'm ready or tell me about that balance. I, you know, a, a lesson with this movie has been when there's something, when you write really from a, a place of authenticity and something that's like real to you, it's, it's very likely that some things will come out right and people will connect. And I think what I always knew conceptually, this is such tricky waters like it's so political like this could go so wrong so easily and not even and like i'm not talking like of course the government was like not gonna like this movie but even with people that are in opposition to the government like but you sort of do things in a wrong way and now you're like i don't know oh you're taking advantage of a political situation to tell your own movie like it could have gone wrong in so many ways and what i've seen the fruits of like the reaction it's having and i attribute it to like honestly the sincerity with which is like this is what i feel as a Venezuelan. like you like it's not orchestrated to like oh i want to capitalize on this thing it's like dude i feel guilty for being on Venezuelan, and like let me tell this story and i think that's been like the saving grace of this movie and the reactions we've had that it just comes from a place of authenticity so i was yeah very nervous i'm like taking and i don't think until now i 
I mean, I, I think I understood it conceptually, but now that I'm living it, like in Venezuela, it's in theaters. Um, the average attendance for Venezuelan movies in the last two years was 5,000 people. We're at 105,000 people now. So it's like the country's going out to go see it. And we've done screenings in other countries and see the reaction. And now I really see the weight that this movie has. Like you're telling the story of a generational trauma of an entire country's struggle. And it's like, okay, you're telling it. And and also the weight of like, and I left when I was 15. I'm not there like the day to day. So feeling also that fear of like, maybe I'm so out of the loop and maybe I'm going to be wrong with, I mean, obviously I talk to people and stuff, but at the end of the day, you until the audience doesn't watch it, you're like, I don't know. So definitely I felt a massive weight of responsibility in, in, in telling the story and then just making sure all the details are were right. And at the end that, that, that there was some sincerity in it that spoke and, and the Luckily now I've been able to confirm with doing these screenings and hearing people's feedback of like that everybody's connecting. I mean, it's it's very emotional, these Q and A's. In every screening that I've gone in like 12 countries, there's been at least one person in the audience that's been tortured, which is insane. Like there is not a screening that I've gone that there hasn't been anybody that hasn't been tortured. It's, it's like crazy. Hard to follow up that with another question, but um, tell me about, what are some things you learned while making the film that you didn't learn in film school? Like what are some some things that other people could kind of take home with them <laughs> how to find financing <laughs> I mean, that's a tough one and you just kind of make it up as you go along and having meetings and everything i mean i felt pretty prepared at post film school about like a lot of technical stuff how to put together a budget and having like but at the end it's just doing it's not that you learn in a classroom it's like you got to go out and make a short film so okay in, in learning that process I guess, yeah, maybe these are the more boring ones, but like the post also, like right now, distribution and marketing is like problem almost maybe even more work than doing the film itself. And it's just so much so that, but in terms of, and in terms of screenwriting, I mean, sort of what I just mentioned of like a lesson is like, damn, go back to authenticity and something you care about. That was one of the advice, an advice I got from a professor in film school. It was like, whatever you decided to do your thesis short on, Make sure it's something, if you can, that matters to you because you're going to get tired. You're going to want to give up. You're going to be frustrated. But if you like care about it, you're going to put in that extra work. You're going to stay up extra hours like writing it. And that's how I felt with this movie from the short to the movie where like I felt the compromise with an entire country, my entire like people, like I need to get this done out there. So that's always been like it's it, it pulls me to like not give up. I always thought of and still think of like the moms whose sons died because they were killed and like. I can only imagine their day-to-days thinking about this. And then I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm tired of writing the script. I was like, no, I felt almost the debt to them. Uh, so that helps you push more and, and make sure like that it's written well and not be like, oh, it's good enough. No, no, this has to be better because um, you feel some sort of weight or because it matters because it's personal, because it matters to you and you care about the story. And coincidentally, like a couple, two or three weeks ago, that happened where I, somebody wanted to get in contact with me and it was the mother of this young woman who was 23 and she got killed in the 2014 protests and she's dedicated her life since to activism and trying to seek justice and for her to call me and tell me I just saw the movie and to you know thank me for doing that kind of thing is like you know this full circle moment where like I was thinking of people like you when I was writing it and now to get that phone call of like my daughter was killed eight years ago and and thank you for doing this and not forgetting about those who aren't with us anymore so I'm going to start crying now. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. We'll just do um, one more. For those people, writers are listening to this. Well, I'll, talk, I'll probably listen, probably more screenwriters and directors, but those writers listening who 
have yet to really write something truly personal. Any advice for them to kind of get that thing on the page? Yeah, it is. Again, this is a lesson that sort of happened organically in writing this movie because the, the theme and the story is so personal. But now looking back, like to see the scenes where people cry, where people really get hit hard in their emotions. Like I know writing that scene, I was crying while I was writing it. And that is like the deepest essence of like, damn, what is really underneath? And and in rewatching it, I'm still discovering like, damn, I kind of made this whole movie just because I miss my country and I feel these things about it and now see it coming through the dialogue. And so, you know, a lot with movies, it's like, this tone, this mood, aside from the specific moments of characters, like it's almost like I've learned that you can try to construct a movie to like capture this singular moment. You know, you have movies like maybe I think of like La La Land where like that final look at the end where it's like this nostalgia for a relationship that didn't quite work out, but things are okay because you found something else, but it's the nostalgia of something that wasn't and that nod they give to each other. Like now uh, through making my own movie, I can see like, I don't know, Damien Chazelle's like process, but maybe it's like, I want to capture this moment. Now I construct an entire movie just to land on that beat. And maybe that's a helpful resource as a writer. Like, what is this moment, this thing that I want to, like, is it this moment of catharsis for me, for a character, or or just a feeling of feeling uh, a, a lust for life and, 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 and loving life? Like, and what is that moment in the movie? And now what do I construct around it to like achieve those moments? And I think, that probably happens a lot in movies where like you get this mood or this moment stuck in your head that's like ah when this thing happened or this realization or this plot twist and then build around that i think that might give you such a keen point of focus for like i want to build this around this moment and now looking back at my own movie it's like yeah like and if you build everything in service to that it's going to be so much more powerful and deliver and what you're delivering and and again in writing there's nothing like having which I had that with this movie. I know what I want it to be about and I know what I don't want it to be about. So it was easier to edit this thing and, and write it because like, oh, I know I want to talk about the tortures, but I don't want to talk about this. So it this has to be in it. And this has to be in it because it's like, I, I got to write down a bullet point list. These are the things that have to be in the movie in terms of explaining to the audience. So it it just helps you construct and, and a lot of limitations always help you more creativity. So it's like, I want to capture this moment and I want to say these four things now build a story around that. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Before you take off, I want to give you a free gift. I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's different is better approach. And learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy that's digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. If it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.